Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. And this podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Ryan Falkenberg, co-founder and co-CEO of Clever. Human beings are currently trapped in the role of robots. How do we humanize our workforces? How do we make them powerful as opposed to make them robotic? Our challenge, and I think it was, it's a global issue, is that in schools, we, we essentially teach young people a, a couple of mental skill sets. So the whole journey of teaching people to replicate, teaching people to memorize, and teaching people to comply was something that was very powerful in the industrial era. Currently, human beings are, no, are not differentiators. They're a scale problem. The volume of human resources that are underutilized is, is enormous. This is Ryan. He's the co-founder and co-CEO of Clever, a South African augmented AI company that leverages digital intelligence to empower, but not simply replace people. Ryan has always been fascinated by what makes people tick and what makes them perform optimally. And he's been frustrated at the slow pace of change when it comes to education and learning. And to address that, he created a learning consultancy called High Performance Learning that aimed to push the boundaries of organizational learning through e-learning, gamification and expert systems. To then remove the constraints by technology bandwidth, he founded Qda Technologies. Yet, no matter how they optimized formal learning, the core problem remained. People still had to memorize and repeat complex decision formula in a world that was accelerating. It was time for a complete rethink. And that was the starting point for Clever. It's the big idea behind Clever that inspired me. And hence, I invited Ryan to my podcast. And during our interview, we explore how we can use technology to boost the differentiation factor of people, how we can relieve them from the stress of making mistakes and the consequences that often has, and instead take the weight of their shoulders to let them truly focus on what I love doing and where they add most value. By listening to this interview, you will learn three things. Firstly, that to deliver remarkable impact of your solution, you have to understand the granular truth of where your solution hits the ground, and then work backwards to remove all the barriers. Secondly, what the key ingredients are to maximize the impact technologies such as AI can make in unlocking human potential. And thirdly, why it is key to blend your solution with the operating systems that your users are working with all day long. 
Yeah, to get started, Ryan, can you introduce yourself and explain a little bit what your background is? Great. My name is Ryan Falkenberg. I'm CEO of a company called Clever. And Clever is a technology that we developed. We started in 2011 to develop a technology that could essentially capture digital experts. We call them virtual advisor apps. And the, the background to that was I left consulting in the late 90s to found a company in learning, which, which really was trying to look at how to help people learn quicker very complex formula in sales, in service, in operations, because most of what we find staff doing is actually learning formula and repeating formula. And so we, we really got specialized in, in learning optimization. How do we help brains learn quicker the information and the formulas they need to replicate? And what we realized quite, quite quickly was that the human brain, while it is good at, at uh, onboarding formula, it tends to forget a lot of it simply because it uses short-term memory. And so we were finding we were getting people to pass tests very well, uh, operational tests, sales tests, call center tests. But within two to three months, their performance was very poor and that we weren't able to sustain the brain's ability to replicate these complex formula. So we started to investigate how do you, how do you capture formula in a way that's that's contextual and live and, and real because knowledge management is a way is, is our is our historical thinking around how do we capture information in content and in information objects documents yeah. and excel spreadsheets and 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 so we thought knowledge was powerful but actually you you cannot capture formula in documents you can capture concepts and yeah. so the next generation we really moved to in expert systems was decision trees we tried to map logic and what we then found was that that logic was two-dimensional and very limiting as well, because as you add variables, our decision trees explode. And, and so we started to explore how do we capture how experts truly think and how they apply logical formula in any context, in sales, in service, in operations. And, and so we, we essentially built a technology that could do that, that could capture expert logic in a way that could essentially uh, replicate how an expert does it. And the purpose of us doing that was to say human beings are currently trapped in the role of robots. We, in, in most companies, yes. we actually, we give them flesh interfaces, but we ask them to be robots. We ask them to ask certain questions based on certain answers. They need to do certain outcomes based on compliance, based on rules. And so most of our human beings are robots. And, and what we felt was if we could use digital intelligence to essentially remove the need for their brains to replicate and rather ask them to add value to the formula. And for example, in customer experience in a, in a contact center, instead of worrying about which questions to ask and what answers to give, rather focus on the customer experience you're giving. That's augmenting the digital intelligence or the replication logic. Exactly. And therefore... And therefore, suddenly you become valuable again. And most, and that's really where it, my history has been. How do we humanize our workforces? How do we make them powerful as opposed to make them robotic? I can only agree with what you're saying. That's the whole purpose of the podcast in the first place. But that's why you're on the podcast uh, Well, right now. So the big idea is at the end, uh, what you've just been, been talking about, to ensure that, that people remain human and that they can add a bigger value to whatever industry or or audience they're working for so have you done any research have you found any 
specific problems that occur when when people get this get this wrong. I mean, you started with it's also on your website or I think on your profile that um, you said no matter how much we were trying to optimize formal learning, the core the core problem remained, and we had to completely rethink how things were done. So, what was the issue then? which occurred out of the fact that, that people forget things? So our challenge, and I think it was, it, it's a global issue, is that in schools we, we essentially teach young people a, a couple of mental skill sets. The first mental skill set is how to memorize. So we, a lot of the education process has been memory optimization focused. And so we, we really try and get people to onboard huge amounts of information because it's helpful yep. back in the, in the, in the workplace. The second challenge is that we, or, or second focus area has been IQ. We've tried to really target the skill sets of being able to learn a formula in, you know, in, and then to apply it in multiple use cases. So, and those two, and then the third area is that we've taught fundamental compliance. We, we always make sure there's an adult in a room teach the child that a compliant child, the person who gives back what the adult has given them in a format that they've been asked is a, is a successful outcome and that compliant behavior is a successful outcome. So, so the whole journey of teaching people to replicate, teaching people to memorize and teaching people to comply was something that was very powerful in the industrial era. The challenge that we've got in applying these models, we then moved to e-learning and all we did is we replicated those paradigms, but we digitally did it. And so what we are starting to find in the, in the human uh, reality is that, first of all, the data explosion, the volume, sheer volume of data has made, made it extremely difficult to, to onboard all the information I need to, to be able to stay relevant. The second is that the, the, the uh, decision-making formula that I need to apply are, are, are becoming far more complex. So the level at which the, the explosive nature of these, these formula are, are, are way beyond what we're being trained. So we get trained on a, a simple visio flow or a simple policy document. But when you understand the algorithm and the, and the variables at which somebody has to apply in many contexts, it's explosive. Yep. And so fundamentally, we, human beings are, are actually being trained for failure. They are... They are being trained on the, on the very uh, mental models that actually are, are starting to fail when digital intelligence enters the fray. And so what we've looked at is to say, how do we start rapidly shifting what we teach the human brain to specialize in? And that is not to specialize in formula that are replicable and, and, and simply uh, need to be done based on a, a specific formula, but we rather teach the human brain to be adaptive, to be able to look at patterns and adjust on patterns that may not be predictive and may not actually repeat. Uh, often in, 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 uh, in EQ, for example, the way I engage with you, it's principle-based, but it, it will vary fundamentally depending on our engagement. And there's lots of underlying patterns that I need to be aware of in the EQ side. So if we can start training the human brain to, to get better at, 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 at rather adaptive at new learning, at new patterning, rather than at, at repeating old patterning, we can actually help people become relevant again. And that's really where our journey has, has specialized is saying we are training human brains to do what digital intelligence is way better at, at doing. And yet we, we, we don't seem to be able to unlock them from that trap. And until we can augment their brain with digital intelligence that relieves them from worrying about replication, they're almost caught between having to learn it because of error, but by learning it, they become more redundant or more, or, or more problematic. And, and so 
this is really the opportunity I think in the human human learning journey is is, is our, our workforces have specialized in learning what has already been learned. Their learning faces backwards. They learn patterns that have already been predetermined and they learn how to repeat those. The future of learning is to is to turn human beings forward and say, your job as a learner is to learn what we don't know, actually to learn new patterns, to uncover what what we have yet to discover. And that changes the, the, the role of the brain in learning. And that fundamentally is going to change, for example, how we deal with schooling, where schooling is still very much what is teaching children what we already know, and rather giving them uh, challenges that we don't know the answers to and teaching and asking their brains to work out what we yet need to know. And I think that's going to be an exciting journey in the human brain evolve, to, to evolve in the human brain is that it, it has never been that well taught on new problem solving. It is, it is rather on the replication side. And digital intelligence will free us to be able to do that in my view. That's a, a positive note, I would say. So what do you envision is the opportunity here Well, at, for a company, but maybe even at a, at a much broader scale, micro level? So for a company, the opportunity is that when I want to scale as a business, I currently need to upload the formula of my business into non-native human brains And that upload is incredibly difficult because it takes too long and, and, the, and the effectiveness is low. So human beings are poor at scaling for me. What, what now I can do is I can rather capture my, my digital formula, formula, my sales formula, my service formula into a, a, a digital intelligence format that can be contextual. And, and rather, so the consistency of my formula can be scaled digitally. And then I can look at human beings as, as in fact, my differentiator as opposed to a liability. And that's quite exciting for me is, is currently human beings are, no, are not differentiators. They're a scale problem. They, they, they actually limit my ability to scale. Whereas if I can see the different sales teams that I have as, as fundamentally the the way I differentiate, my formula is non-differentiating because as soon as a competitor captures a similar formula, it can scale equally as quickly as I can. Human beings then become the, the way I differentiate. And so that's going to be an interesting change for organizations is they've tried to mitigate human, human involvement because it, it adds risk to their formula. I see in future human beings becoming an opportunity to fundamentally differentiate. And, and so then The culture of my company, the, the values, the way I unlock my human capabilities become my differentiator. And that's something that, that is going to fundamentally change at a, at a company level. At a, at a macro level, we're going to have to redefine, in my view, the, the role of how we perceive humanity. Humanity has, in a lot of economic systems, people are seen purely as a form of mechanization of value. The way I can extract value is to use human beings as, as ro robots to extract that value. And therefore, I, I view people very much in a, in a mechanistic way. Whereas in society going, going forward, I, it's going to actually say, well, the role of people isn't to replicate. So, so where do I get value from people? Well, it actually is going to start moving into each individual starts adding massive value rather than a collective. And our, my ability to unlock the insights and the new value that human beings derive becomes hugely important from a society. And, and I think that's quite exciting because we're going to have to modernize as societies. We're very much around compliance models. We, we, we scale as societies through law and through compliance and through formulas. 
And in the future, if that's done digitally through AI, and the way I, for example, if I break the law, I can have a digital judge that's that's making the decisions that currently a, a judge is replicating, suddenly my, my need for humanity becomes to add huge insight, to, to almost philosophically be able to add value, to, to think around principles and values, to think creatively, to, to think out of the box. And now that is... That, that is game-changing for society because we are, are almost going to have to ask some fundamental questions around how do we, how do we pay for value? How do we see each other in, in the human system? And I think, I think we're in for a very exciting but very turbulent shift in how our economic systems, our political systems, our social systems are structured because currently they're structured uh, very mechanistically and, 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 and really driving you know, creating power structures in, in, in those that own capital and own, own the, the means for value. And I think that's going to potentially fundamentally change as AI takes over all of that replication logic. Yeah, very interesting. So, I mean, before the call, we had a little discussion around, you know, Africa as a, as a country in itself and the, and the level of education that people have gained or, or uh, obtained over, over time. Do you believe that with this type of technology, you can actually lift the IQ of people in order for them to participate in a new way or participate in a more valuable way. Uh, absolutely. So it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll use my own country as an example. South Africa, let's take the contact center industry. One of the things that we found in our contact center industry is that the people in our country actually have an amazing uh, level of EQ and social intelligence. So they're actually very warm. They're very, they've got a great sense of humor. They've, they have a, a, a strong level of empathy and they can connect. And so, but one of the challenges in our, in our broken education system is that many of uh, people who emerge out of our education system have really not uh, learned the, the skills, which I've described, memory skills, the ability to onboard formula and apply in multiple contexts. And so when someone is employed uh, as a contact center agent for a bank, for example, they have to learn all of the banking products, the formulas, et cetera, and they are very, they often are limited in that ability. True. And so what happens is we can't scale as soon as, as soon as that level. Now if we can augment them with digital intelligence, what ha- suddenly happens is they become far more competitive than people from developed countries who differentiated on the IQ side, but actually were potentially not nearly as advanced on the EQ side and in terms of the multicultural capabilities. So the interesting part for us is that we can, we're, we're in, in societies where historical education systems are failing, it actually may not be as damaging because we could very quickly move them into giving in, uh, digital intelligence that, that augments that and actually accelerate their ability to, to focus on what they do have through just sheer life, through living in, in challenging times, leveraging their resilience, le- leveraging their multilingual capabilities, their empathy, et cetera. And that, for me, is exciting because we could, in fact, turn what is currently a continent where there, there is a huge number of human uh, – the volume of human resources that are underutilized is, is enormous. We could rapidly turn that, that resource base into something that is enormously valuable. And for me, therein lies the opportunity of augmented intelligence. Hmm. Great story and uh, great, great outlook as well. So from the aha moment that you had a couple of years ago, you created a new product. So first of all, what, what's the, the name of the product is, is Clever? That's correct, yeah. Exactly. So can you take me through 
yeah, the, the the whole development cycle, uh, not so much in terms of how it developed, but typically what were the learnings that you gained in order to come where you are today? Well, so, so our first learning was that intelligent or, or, or logic is multidimensional. And again, to try and pattern logic. So we are a prescriptive logic engine. We focus on replicating very complex logic in a consistent and compliant way. And that the aim, therefore, is to remove the, the need for human beings to do it. When we realized, for example, if I'm building a financial sales advisor to replicate how a top financial sales person would be able to conduct a complex need analysis and based on any combination of customer need, workout, what products to offer, what to cross-sell, etc., we quickly realized that Actually, that logic cannot be done through decision tree architecture. You can build it first using that, but you cannot maintain it and you cannot make it intelligent. So we had to work out a way of capturing expert logic without asking the expert to predefine their logic path. And so what we had to look at is to say, well, we needed to work out ways to build data centric models so where an expert can explain the factors they consider the the, the variables they work with and the technology can work out the pathing. Yep. So it's essentially like a, uh, like saying to uh, offering someone a GPS and saying we can, your route may change every day based on your context, but the path, the path may be, be consistent. And, and so that's really what we did with Clever is we, we wanted to build a platform that instead of me building or capturing logic in a document or capturing content in an e-course, I could rather build a virtual advisor app, which says, don't even learn the stuff. And we had to be able to do that uh, using business people, not coders, that could do that quicker than they could build an e-course. So that was a big challenge for us is how, what's the methodology, what's the approach to data capture that can do that? And then how do we make it so robust that actually it does consider all known variables, all known possible combinations, and that it consistently gets the person to the, the correct outcomes and that we can give, give a, a record. And that's really what we built. It took us, we, we bought a company in 2011, and they had been working for seven years in, 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 in very intelligent database logic. And we basically used that company to build Clever, which, which took us about two and a half years. And, and we, so we made, we, we've, we've come a long way. The first area that we, we, we learned is that when you build digital intelligence for augmented intelligence, in other words, assuming a human interface, yep. you have to consider that those, those humans are working with operating systems. And, and so whatever you build has to work within their context. It cannot be separate from that. Otherwise, that you're asking them to navigate from, uh, from an operational reality, which uh, is divorced. So we had to build our logic so it could completely integrate with any operational system. It could be intelligently in inherit data that they're working with. It could interpret for them. And it could actually automatically execute stuff for them without them having to worry. So that was part of our journey was getting our technology to really be robust in its APIs and the way it can integrate with operating systems. Yeah. And then the final learning we had was to say, actually, we could build a GPS that truly could get a contact center agent with no training to outperform historically expert agents within within a matter of days. So we've, we've done that. Really? What, what we haven't, what we then realized is that is the most magnificent thing for a person who is new because they can now compete with the, with the people who've been in the game for many years instantly. How do we now convert those that are already in those jobs, the ones that are threatened by this, how do we get them on board so that if I'm a tenured agent or I'm an experienced salesperson, that yeah. this doesn't become something threatening or undermining, but actually enabling. 
And, and that, that moved us into the realm of the, the psychology of adoption. And that when I realized that actually historically the knowledge that I had of the products and the process, which was my advantage, is actually something that was holding me back too. And that if, if I could in fact be given a, a digital navigator that says, even though you've done this many times, what, what you are probably not aware of is that you are replicating formula that you may have learned two or three years ago that in fact may not be as successful as you think it is. And if you could just relieve yourself of, of, of that and focus on all of the differentiating behaviors you can add to that customer engagement, we can make you far more powerful. And in fact, just because you were selling this little narrow band of products, what happens if instantly we could help you sell a thousand times more products without you ever having to learn that? So in other words, we can, we can augment and, and, and grow you into someone who is way more powerful. And so that's been a very exciting journey for us is actually making people who are the incumbents win as well as the people who are, are, are new. And so our technology has been deployed in, in contact, very heavily in contact centers where we are now saying to specialist teams who have been trapped in, in very narrow bands of calls, we now can say to them, if you use the call navigator we built for you, you can actually answer calls across every known call without you having to, to be specialized. And we can make you a specialist in customer engagement experiences, the conversations rather than the content. And that suddenly is unlocking contact centers to see their agents as fundamental differentiators as opposed to cost items and restrictive items. And also that we can ensure that they are executing the, the complex customer engagement formulas that these companies have consistently without any risk. In the sales context, for example, we now can deploy sales people who may be in a bank, for example, only able to sell 20 products because they were very specialized now they can become a universal salesperson. They can sell 150 to 200 to 1,000 products that are financially regulated. But because the technology ensures they are absolutely considering all the variables and cross-selling all the correct products based on the formula, the compliance issues taken out of it, they then become specialists in customer engagement experience, the, the, the art and science of selling. And so what we're starting to realize is we can unlock people so that they can become specialists in the meta skills, the meta skills of sales, the meta skills of servicing, the meta skills of technical diagnostics. And we can then augment them with the, with the, the specific aspects so that a technician, I can now deploy a technician who's a, who doesn't have all the technical knowledge, but he's very good at actually physically problem solving. And we can build a diagnostic that acts like a digital engineer that can work out all, of, all the combinations and help them fix stuff that they've never fixed before. So they become actual people who learn on the job. They perform on the job. And what's interesting is that the navigator ensures that the compliance to the formula is, is there. And so the company risk is mitigated. And so we've been very excited by the, 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 the real shift that we're starting to see in, 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 in telcos, in, in banks, in engineering, in businesses, where we are starting to fundamentally change the way they see their people and their reticence, their, their resistance to, to spending money on training because it takes so long to get somebody to the point where they become valuable suddenly changes. And I, I realize I can get you doing stuff which would normally take me two to three years. You can get there in, in a matter of weeks. And that becomes very exciting for companies, but it also becomes exciting for the individuals because they really start uh, differentiating themselves. Yeah, true, because you don't want to go through a, uh, well, a month's, 
length of training in order to get to a certain level. And in the beginning, of course, doing only the, the simple stuff. Really interesting. So how does it work? Does it, does it listen? Does it see it kind of spot things that are happening on screens? Okay, so how it works is that in order to capture logic, what we've realized is that you can sit with an expert or team of experts, and instead of asking them how they solve problems, you rather start focusing on the factors and the data sets that they consider when solving problems. So we, we do what we call joint application development sessions. They're sort of two-hour rapid sessions with experts to unpack all the, all the combinations and possibilities and factors that they consider in solving a huge range of problems. And then we start fine-tuning that, that those data sets with them. And within a matter of a couple of weeks, we have a working prototypes, actual uh, multidimensional logic models that start replicating how they, they started solving these problems. And, and, and over a period of two to three weeks, we optimize these logics, uh, the, these logic models by, by really testing it in the field. So that it's, it's agile, it's, it's rapid. And we start, we start getting yeah. to a point of about 80 to 90% accuracy on all possibilities. And then what we do is we actually wow. get teams to start using them in, in every aspect uh, of their work. And we track the data points and we, and, and, and we get them to feedback any factors, environmental variables that were, were not considered. The actual users can feedback on our technology at any data point to say that certain factors were not available or, or not considered. And so the teams then augment those factors consistently and the aim is within a sort of about a six week period to or six to eight week period to have a digital expert at about a 95 to 98 percent accuracy and then so what that allows is essentially the consistency of execution and then that data that starts coming out of thousands of, of, of replication models can also start feeding a machine learning engine that can then start feeding back into our system uh, certain uh, flags or, or, or predictions of optimization. So it can change weightings of our variables and we can then start fine tuning and getting it better and better through the machine learning component. So we really, it, again, it's a prescriptive logic uh, as opposed to a predictive logic. We are not feeding clever a whole set of data and hoping it's going to work out the patterns. We are pre predefining it. We've just worked a way of doing it without getting trapped by decision tree thinking. Interesting. So how does it work? When the when the, the the people in the in the front league are using it, salespeople, customer support people. Okay, so let me give you two scenarios. So in a contact center, as a call comes in, what typically happens in the CRM and the what they call IVR is that they will have a whole lot of customer data available on the caller, whoever's coming through. They may have predetermined some factors around the call. That feeds into our system, and we instantly adjust based on those variables what the conversation should look like. So our interface is typically open or it either launches inside the, the core management system as an iframe or it is actually an overlay over the whole system so that the agent doesn't even see their systems. It just, they just see clever. Yeah. And instantly the factors start getting asked. And all the agent has to do is just listen to the conversation and select the factors they're hearing. And what Clever starts doing is it starts automatically adjusting mm -hmm. the conversation to channeling to, to, to work out what remaining factors they need to consider to get to an outcome. And so it, it really starts navigating them to the right solutions. We can create rules to say, based on you arriving at this outcome, you can then trigger cross-sell conversations or you can trigger a, a second-tier conversations. So we can, we can guide them to a really comprehensive uh, call that gets them to solve all the right aspects uh, quickly 
And then Clever gives them a detailed call report that then fires back into the CRM with any resulting activities. That operational system then, then does what it needs to do. And then the next call comes up. So they don't even need to look at all of their systems. They just need to answer the questions. And Clever will then trigger the resulting outcomes. In a, in a sales context, everyone has CRM and it might give me an activity to come and see you. But when I click that activity, all I, I now need to know how to do that. What, what typically happens is as I click the activity, it launches a sales navigator inside the CRM, which actually inherits all the data in the CRM that, that, that is known about that activity. And Clever then navigates that person through the, the, the live customer engagement conversation. And so it allows the agent, uh, sorry, the salesperson to really collaborate with the customer, to work with them on diagnosing customer need. It's totally dynamic, it's agile, so it, it works with data points. So if the customer changes direction, it'll change with them. And essentially it allows them to solution with the customer in real time. And once the solution outcomes have been agreed, it fires back those outcomes into the CRM for processing. So we really, essentially, we are not trying to be an operating system. What we are doing is we are, we are navigating the, the human being through that, that complex engagement based on all policy, procedure, product rules, ensuring they get it right uh, absolutely. And then basically we, we, we then fire back into operating systems for them to do their jobs. What also is interesting is the logic that we start building can also augment a chatbot, for example, so that when you are, instead of a human interface, you're wanting to have a digital interface, it can, it can leverage the same logic that we build in digital front ends as well. So it allows us to actually create a, a deep intelligence for the organization that they can leverage across all their, all their touch points. Well, interesting. So, I mean, I see on your website that you have a, a gradient of customers. What is the most inspiring feedback that you've got from them since, well, since, since the launch or up to now? I think one of the, the the most memorable experiences has been actually in a in a financial environment where we built a digital financial advisor for people in in a retail branch when you walk in and ask for example for a loan and and when the executives were interviewing the consultants who were using Clever they had a significant rise in their sales I think they had a fifty two percent increase in sale closure and twenty percent increase in uh, cross sales and so. Well, obviously, that that got everybody's interest, and 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 when the executives were interviewing quite a few of these sales consultants, the one sales consultant actually started to cry in the interview, and we were all sitting there. It was a bit awkward, and the the executives were apologizing and saying, you know, we're sorry, we didn't mean to intimidate you. We're just trying to understand. And this lady stopped them and said, I actually, I'm not crying because I'm feeling intimidated. I'm crying because I'm feeling emotional. The reason I'm feeling emotional is because I'm a single mother. I've got two children and I actually really need this job. Worked for your branch for the last three years. And for the last three years, every day I come to the branch terrified that I'm going to make a mistake that you're going to penalize me for and I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. And what this has done for me is it's taken the weight off my shoulders. I no longer worry that I'm going to make a mistake. I just need to follow the navigator. And what I can now do is do what I actually love, and that is serving customers, because that's really what I, what I joined your business to do, was to have customer conversations that I could add value to. And that was the aha moment for me, is that she really articulated our, our whole purpose, and that is she felt rehumanized, that she no longer worried about spending her life preventing error, and rather she could focus on adding value. And, and that what Clever had done 
was fundamentally remove the, the anxiety that she had of navigating through these complex sales formulas, compliance rules, and she no longer had to worry. And, and that we now, she could focus on her differentiator, was, which was her personality. And I think that's a theme that we're seeing more and more in contact centers where there is so much stress, where they're leaving jobs within two to three weeks because they're failing yeah. and they're getting hammered because of their, their poor performance. Suddenly, it's as if they are, are given a second life and they're saying, you, you're, we are not paying you to memorize and, and replicate. Just follow this navigator. It is dynamic. It'll change routes for you. We want you to be the best you that you can be. And that for us is why we do what we do. Fantastic. Yeah, these are exactly the examples that I want to share in this podcast. And yeah, happy to be on the phone with you uh, in re- with regards to that. So if you would give an advice to, to colleague ISVs, because that's also one of my, that's, that's my target market at the end. What would you advise them to rethink in terms of how they develop solutions? I think the, some of the lessons that we've, we've learned, I think, in, in, in developing solutions is, is that if we start with the, the idea the concept, and we get caught up in, for example, how we, we build the concept, we often forget the end, the, end, the, the reason for our solution, the reason for the, the deliverable. And, exactly. and we've learned that actually start with the end in mind, start with the user, start with the, the value that you want to add, and, and, and then work backwards. Because I think in, in technology, we get so excited about our own technology, and we forget about how this technology actually is going to unlock value in the very environments that we're building it for. True. So uh, all I could say is, is, you know, we got exceptionally excited about solving the problem of capturing complex logic. And so we were deep in, in the, the technical architecture of solving this technical problem. But actually, that was, that was only part of it. Making our technology and our solution work in the human system, in the organizational system, was in fact far more of a challenge and far more of a, a, a of a barrier for us to get over, and I think that that was that's something that you know all of us can learn is 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 just having a, a wonderful uh, tech solution that theoretically will work in a perfect world isn't actually going to isn't going to land it. It's starting with the the actual granular truth of of where our, our solution hits the, the the ground and and working backwards and, and and removing all the barriers for for us to to land in that space. That's been our learning is, 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 is to get a lot more pragmatic around the operationalization of our solution as opposed to the, the intelligence and brilliance of our solution. That's a wise piece of advice. And I think a lot of uh, companies could benefit from, from doing exactly that. And uh, I think the solutions that would come out of that would then have a fundamentally different impact. Yeah. So what's next for you? So we, as a technology, are on our on our internationalization journey. We are our two key areas of of focus have been in the contact center. We really have a strategy of being in every contact center, rehumanizing those environments, and and we want to scale very quickly in that in that uh, in that area. And then the the second area is 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 in areas of compliance where. So much human energy is spent not making a mistake. And we, we want to try and, and as quickly as possible help our clients build digital navigators that can just take away that need and just say, we actually just need you to follow these rules. They're complex. They, 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 uh, they're important for you to do it. And instead of training you on it and trying to get your brain to replicate it, we're just going to give you a digital navigator or expert yeah, immediately. So our aim in the two, our next players are going to be to essentially try and remove 
any human need to memorize or replicate a decision or action that is, is driven by a compliance rule to literally have that done digitally and uh, in a contact center and in a sales and service contact center environment, as well as in mobile sales, remove the need for, for the sales and service people to know their products, processes, and policies, and rather get them to be specialists in the, the art and science of, of communication, customer experience. That's our dream. And uh, we want to try and get into as many organizations that have those challenges as we possibly can. I can assure you there are many. This is the, the big challenge at the end for, for any service type organizations or even product-centric organizations. To well, final question, since there is an audience, of course, on the other end, what would be your big ask if you could get the audience to help you? How could they give you insights or come up with, with a new quest? I think for, for, for me, the, the help would be in, in, in two areas. Help in terms of in the broader area where which we deal with is is how do we how do, how do we actually take this concept of digital intelligence and how, and how do we how do we actually operationalize it very quickly in in ways that are beyond just for me quite light applications and not life changing so for example just the fact that i can do intelligent i, I can spend my time in augmented reality and gaming and i can spend my time in improving how Amazon predicts what I need, et cetera, so I can consume more. Those are, those are okay, but those aren't changing society. I think for me, it, I would love to learn and, and get insights around how we can get digital intelligence to fundamentally change the human condition and that people can, at, at the deep level, be allowed to rehumanize themselves and any, any insights around how we can do that quicker so that we don't have to get into a situation where the debate is simply about replacing human beings, undervaluing them, getting automation to just remove huge swaths of jobs without the consideration of how do we how do we unlock human value very quickly so that people can win out of this journey and not just a few very uh, wealthy capital owners. So I'd love to get that 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 insight from everybody. And then secondly, if uh, if if anybody has insights around how we can improve our uh, our strategy and our way of doing that and are in that in that space and would like to partner with us and would like to help in in this journey we would love to learn from you and would love to partner with you thank you very much i think these are very two two good questions to ask and hopefully there's uh, some response coming to that ryan thank you very much for your time and for your uh, inspiring story thank you for the opportunity i've really enjoyed this conversation thank you and for everybody that's listening today thank you for tuning into this podcast I had the honor to speak to Ryan Falkenberg, co-founder and co-CEO of Clever. You can find more about Ryan in a variety of ways. First of all on Twitter. The Twitter handle for Ryan is at Ryan Falkenberg. Of course, you can also find him on LinkedIn or you can go to their website, which you can find at www.clever.com. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So, with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be. 
to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations. And lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. questions we've got answers business leadership ownership and sales can be challenging tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts join me your host diane helbig as i chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business you'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas tips and suggestions you need to realize greater success Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.